Welcome to Previously Recorded. I am your host, RP, as always. And this episode of Previously Recorded is brought to you by Totally Tease. If you need a shirt and you don't have one, call Totally Tease. They'll get it done. All right. It's pretty on sync. Uh, if you need a Previously Recorded shirt made uh, however you want it, with whoever's face you want on it, uh, in any direction, that's the place to go. Um, You're all sold out of my face, RP. All right, that's fine. Uh, well, they got plenty of mine in stock. Uh, <laughs> that uh, no, they haven't sold a single one. It's been pretty uh, upsetting. So, go uh, previouslyrecorded.com/backslash/totallytees frontslash/jack/backslash/rpsfacelogo.com if you want to get one of those. All right. Uh, so as you can hear, that is Bob. Yo, Bob, can you, can you have Audra make that an actual website? I don't know if the GoDaddy uh, is worth it. <laughs> the cost for that website is worth it. But as you can hear, we got Bob and Shane joining us as always. How we doing, guys? All right. We Very finally good. mastered the Zoom recording uh, yeah. podcast. We've got it down. Pat, the last one we did was the best absolutely, one we've done. Absolutely going to get fucked up now that you said that. Probably. I, I hope uh, so. I, I encourage a challenge. I started laughing it. during the intro because Bob always thinks I do the lag on purpose when we say yeah, yeah. lag on purpose. So I thought about doing it on purpose just to fuck with Bob. It was still lag. You do it on purpose. I know you do it because you look me in the eyes the whole fucking time. I can see it. How can you tell he's looking you in the eyes? Because he's looking. He, I know who, where he looks. And that's the voice of Espo, our guest tonight. Yes. Sorry for speaking before I was. No, it's fine. Because I, I wanted to explain. Because I don't think fucking that piece of shit. I know. I speaking was... before my. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome to the podcast for the first time. Uh, first time on it. Never listened. Welcome to the podcast, Espo. I've listened to parts of. Uh, <laughs> of uh, I forget what you call them. <laughs> and their trash bag. Oh, sorry, their trash bag. Yes. yes. All I, right. So, like, I was gonna say. Because I wanted to bring Espo in as quick as possible because it became very obvious. I, so when we get to the topic, Espo is like, the, the, in my opinion, the expert of my friends on this topic. And I think he, he, he'll probably show that. A big uh, fucking loser is the other, yeah, that's the fine. other term for it. My, well, my friends. Depending on the, whatever topic it is, it's whoever the biggest loser of that topic is. So you're the biggest one tonight. You're right. I but, also uh, am a big fan. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an enthusiast or an expert, but I'm a big fan of said topic, uh, which we we'll get to. I saw his face when we sang the Totally Tease jingle and was like, ah, fuck, I don't think we explained. <laughs> no, you <laughs> did. And, and that was in the beginning of the, the Send Their Trash Bag episode. So because right. I, I came trash in. Bag, one, of the, one of our big episodes. Uh, like I always say, like I always say, anytime we have new people on the podcast who are not super familiar with it and we do the jingle, we always explain it. And we just need to stop explaining it because our I, 10 listeners out there have already heard it. I like it. Uh, I like it. I love the explanation. They're a big fan. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a bit. So we also do have a new intro into the podcast, and I hope you liked it. For listeners of the previous episode, uh, how you doing, potty boy? Is now, as requested by Marvel, the intro to every previously recorded episode uh, with after the jingle. Um, well, uh, bucket. Our, yeah, RP and I'll explain that later. Well, that's fine. I don't need an ex- <laughs> I'm a I'm a podcast expert as well, so I know not to talk before I'm introduced. I know not to question. Oh, you broke that but you already broke that <laughs> fucking rule. That's when I apologize. I had to apologize after yeah, that. Uh, if you apologize, like people, it's okay. In this group, you have to be assertive uh, to get a word in. So uh, you we'll did, probably won't get a word in. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, what's going on? Anything new in the world? We had a huge, uh, it's weird to say this, a huge event for DC where it was nothing but trailers, but they were good trailers. Typically, they kind of shit the bed when it comes to this bit. We did, I did put out there, uh, if you guys wanted to hear us talk about it for a full episode, I don't know if I could get Bob or Shane to talk about trailers. Exactly. I don't know if I want episodes. to talk about it for a full episode, but I mean, I can try. Your back hurting you, buddy? Yeah, I've been sitting in this chair all day, man, online stuff. Yeah. Um, go back and forth with this thing. is my, like, new lifesaver, this little roller. Well, we should get you an upgraded chair from chairs.com backslash totally tees front slash Jack. Um, Hopefully Jack can print me a new chair pretty soon. I put that order in in July, but he said, you know, COVID. The previously recorded money is coming in for totally tees, and once it gets there, he's going to buy a 3D printer. So when it gets to that point, you'll be able to have your chair, your dildo, whatever you want. Um, So what was your favorite thing from over the weekend uh, with DC? Um, Espo, are you a superhero fan at all um i dabble i have um i'm a lax uh marvel fan i probably haven't watched one in a while but i did watch the trailer for for the batman right? i figured that, that's, that's what the, i was going to ask you uh the batman what you think i liked it a lot i liked it a lot i um i didn't watch the the affleck batman i don't know what the general consensus was from you guys on that uh, i like think, him i think it, across the board the consensus is that ben affleck wasn't a terrible batman Okay. He, he was a he bad Bruce Wayne. Not a great Bruce Wayne, and the movies aren't good. So. Yes. Okay. That, that pretty much sums it up right there. Yeah. Like if you um, fix the movies and uh, you get less Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. he um, could have been fun. I completely agree. Shade of Bob, would the Batman trailer have been probably the, the highlight for you guys as well? I didn't watch all of them. Uh, I watched the, the Snyder Cut. just Which oddly looked pretty good. Um, it looks like... Everybody, first off, it's two minutes of but four hours. So, true. yeah, anybody can make two minutes. What's that? I don't know what the percentage on that is. But also, every DC trailer that's come out has looked good, and the movie hasn't been good. Yeah, it's two minutes out of the um, four hours that he's putting out. Yeah. The uh, movie's already been released. He's also it's a self-righteous. Like, like, oh, my God, look at how crazy this stuff is. So, all he did was say, all right, all these fans have been bitching about this for the last three years. He's also a self-righteous prick having Hallelujah <laughs> as the song. Uh, there the was a trailer. big controversy about that. Well, first of all, so he did that with Watchmen, right? He had There was Hallelujah a sex as, scene right. in Watchmen that had Hallelujah as the background song to that scene. Yeah, I, I read a little bit about that. And then uh, a, a few people on Twitter like went off like making fun of him for it, and they've just gotten like death threats or whatever from his, <laughs> his typical DC, DC fanboys are crazy. It's the most thing. Still... DC fanboys, um, if you have problems with the show, you know my Twitter handle. I've been going at this for a while now. Nobody's been – they're all afraid, so it's fine with me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Are you mainly anti-DC, you guys? No. We clown on DC a lot just because uh, the movies are mediocre. They have some good ones. Um, but the the what gets us kind of going is the DC fanboys are fucking nuts. Yeah, they are. Um, that's that's mainly what I know. Of. That's kind of why I've stayed away. Like I, I'm a Batman fan. Like I've read the graphic novels and and uh, I mean up and through the Nolan trilogy, I've seen every one and I even love the campy ones and all that. But um, yeah, the the rabid fan base has kind of been what's turned me off a little bit. I guess. And I don't blame you because they are crazy. And and there are Marvel fanboys, but the difference I think with Marvel fanboys is that the movies have been whether they might not all be great, but they're pretty solid. So 
when you're looking at DC and people are saying that Suicide Squad is the greatest movie of all time, uh, it's like fucking, all right, like, come on. Or they'll say something like that, and then they'll be like, oh, Infinity War was all right. So, yep, that's exactly it. It's like, it's like, all right, like, you have to, if you can say Suicide Squad's good, but you can't say that, and then say that this movie's bad, because now I'm sure. like, what the fuck is your taste? Right. But they probably loved Fuzzbucket. They probably did love Fuzzbucket, and I recommend you guys take the 43 minutes that the the shithole of a foul pilot is and watch it on Disney+. Plus. Um, and you can hear all about it in our previous episode. But, Shane, what was your favorite part of the DC fandom? Because we, we talked about it a lot. Honestly, like the, I think the Batman movie looks really good. Um, I got mostly excited for all the game trailers that were released, like uh, the Arkham Knights one. Yes. And, uh, honestly, the, the Suicide Squad game looks really good. Yeah, it does. Uh, I wish we would have got some gameplay, but it is two years away. Um, and it is in the Arkham universe, so there's going to be no Batman, and you're going to be fighting the Justice League without Batman. So, um, as a not-avid gamer, the Arkham Knights game is a sequel, but it's going to be the um, Court of Owls story. Is that so correct? You would think... And it kind of sets it up that way because it's the trailer starts off with like explosions, which is how the last Arkham game ended. But it's actually not. Uh, the Suicide Squad game is a sequel no. to the Arkham games. But so Arkham Knights is not a sequel. It's a standalone. Gotham. Movie. Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. Um, but it if you want to say like because it's made by WB Montreal and the Arkham games are made by Rocksteady where during the Arkham run, WB games made Arkham origins, which was one of the four Arkham games, but it necessarily wasn't a, a complete tie in, but it was. So it's really just for people who are trying to nitpick, but Batman's not in the game. So if Batman's not in the game and he's gone, I don't think, I think it's a fair assumption to say that, they're probably piggybacking off of the success of because they're it's bottom line it's Batman it's all owned by WB anyway yeah in DC so it doesn't really matter but it's just they came out and they wanted to make it known that they're not direct they did look fantastic Shane they look a lot of fun and yeah. um, we're excited about it um, my for me was the Batman trailer obviously it's got the it's showing an unrecognizable Colin Farrell as the Penguin and a it's alluding to the Riddler. I wanted to ask about that. The, the guy that's duct taping people's faces, who is that supposed to be? I don't, I'm getting, I'm getting like hush from it. It but feels hush like. Hush his own face. It's what face? Hush, like, wrapped his own face. Yeah, but his face was wrapped too, and he was wrapping other people's. So it is a vibe, and it doesn't give off the Riddler. Maybe it could be a Riddler henchman, or they're just mm -hmm. kind of just trying to throw you off a little bit, but uh, it says what. Um, whatever the riddle it says is what does a liar do when it dies and when they open the card it's they're making the riddler kind of like a zodiac killer in a way where yeah, some, and some of it rhymes so it makes me think it's going to be like the riddler well isn't what's his face paul dano is like confirmed right to yes play. Yeah. uh they have a ton of villains confirmed for the movie which really? is going to be really really awesome um uh penguins confirmed the the riddler's confirmed um Tweedledee and Tweedledum I think were confirmed Ooh. or somebody uh there there's a Catwoman which was Solomon right, Grundy right. she's in the trailer Solomon Grundy or no maybe it was Solomon uh, Grundy in the trailer Tweedledum and wouldn't that mean the Mad Hatter isn't it too 
maybe like i remember when the like the news was coming out about it that there was a yeah it was like nobody understood what the purpose of the movie was because there were so many villains like nobody could figure out what but your Catwoman's in the trailer and the fact that that footage is only from 25 percent of the movie that they've shot which is uh, to me a good sign like because obviously the 25 percent that they've shot is either you know it's not all action it's dialogue but the fact that they can pull this at least intriguing two minutes from a 25 percent completed film gives me hope and um you know matt reeves is that that takes us back to the original point which this movie's 25 percent finished and i'm more interested in this than the two minutes I got from four hours of Justice League. <laughs> what? Um, so it's I, I don't know if it's well worn territory on the show, but the, the Snyder Cut was like a like a people didn't believe it existed for a period in time. Right? Snyder, that got, the, had family issues had to stop shooting the movie. Right, and then and the here, comes in and finishes it. And, and the thing um, about the Snyder Cut, Bob, is that it never existed. It's not like. They had this cut of the movie, and Weeman came in and fixed it, which is what I thought, and we kind of talked about before. But this no, it was never put together. But Snyder filmed all this material, yes. And then Weeman came in, and he was like, "All right, I'm going to use this parts of this to tell this story." Mm-hmm. Did Weeman was Weeman there for any of the filming too? Like, yeah, they went like, back like and reshot month or something like that. He was there, so then he kind of took what was already filmed, decided to figure out what story he wanted to tell, told that story. And right. then when it came out, so it wasn't even like Snyder was like, all right, this isn't my movie off the bat. It was when it came out and started getting shit on. Right, right. And then they kind of threw the movie I was going to make. This is So, yeah. Right. Anyway, back to that original point. This is going to be the best outlook for him because he's going to take every criticism of the original Justice League movie, which I thought was a fine movie. Not great, but fine. And tweak it back to... Or it's going to be still just a huge pile of shit. Who knows? But we're going to be live streaming it. We're going to watch it, and we're going to live stream each episode of it. Um, but just to quickly sum this up, uh, my favorite thing was actually the Suicide Squad. Really no surprise here because it's a James Gunn film. It's eight. Well, we talked about it a little bit. It's like 12 characters. Two of them I've heard of. Um, the rest I haven't, and I'm just really, really curious about what it's actually going to be. So I didn't um, even know what trailer came out for that. It wasn't a trailer. It was a more behind the scenes behind the look, scenes. like showing the characters, right? Like interviewing Gunn and interviewing some of the characters and stuff like that. Apparently, James Gunn took some shots at Marvel during his panel. I haven't had an opportunity to listen to the panel yet. Um, well, apparently, James Gunn took shots at people on Twitter years ago, and that's why Marvel fired. <laughs> that's true. Well, he, um, his whole thing, I James Gunn, I've kind not followed, but like he was part of like true. Troma, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but Troma was like a based out of Jersey, like grindhouse horror movie studio. And he just made like 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 the Toxic Avenger films, which he's in and he helped, like he was a production assistant, I believe, or helped on them. It, they're like disgusting movies, like trying to be as offensive as possible. Like early or late 90s, early 2000s, like South Park humor with it. So like, of course he had like that dumb shit all over his stuff. But I've, I've enjoyed pretty much everything that he's done. Yeah, I mean, he, the- Super was great. And the Gardens of the Galaxy were probably the last Marvel movie I may have watched. Um, you gotta get I, on the Infinity War train, I know, buddy. I know. I was gonna do it over this, but I, I didn't <laughs> watch other things. Uh, yeah, those Anything tweets were for, were for shock value, obviously, because right. from where he came from. So yeah, I, as one of the big things too I'm looking forward to is the score for Wonder Woman 84. And that's one hell of a segue because today's topic- That's the fucking, 
Worst segue in the history of previous. Oh, I've had way, I've had no, way worse. No, there's no fucking way. Like some of them is almost believable, but oh yeah, at DC, whatever that fucking event was called. Uh, the one thing I was really looking forward to was the score for Wonder Woman. I said all I had to say. I was done. It was just trying to make it organic as possible. So as everybody knows, uh, the heart of films, it's not the actors, it's not the writing, it's the music that carries a film and not a soundtrack of songs made just for the movie or pop songs thrown into like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. It's the score. Um, what would some of the movies we're going to discuss today be without um, the weight of the these scores and and an ability to help further tell a story? Well, I was thinking when I was kind of putting this list together, trying to be like a I don't know like conservative, so I don't have like a, a hundred songs on here. Like, what movies does the music actually take on like the role of a character? Where it's like you hear that music, as, it'd be the same as if like a character walked in. You hear the music, and it's like it, it builds the, the intensity. Or so like right. there's, and we'll get into some of them. See, or, I don't, like you hear the music, and the music gives you the goosebumps as opposed to the action. Which I know there's a couple of situations. Right. Um, which about. is a fantastic point to make, Bob. Uh, this isn't going to be. I mean, I don't have like I don't know. For example. Uh, a specific score from a movie. I just have the movie title and probably the most famous score that goes with it. Or if there's a specific one, we'll we'll say say the specific one. And I don't necessarily know if I have one where there it is might not be the title of the character, the scene, not necessarily the title of the song. We'll, right. We'll talk about that. All right. Um, so today we brought on Espo to help us talk about uh, these film scores because he is an aficionado, an expert in. Uh, film scores apparently. So, hold on, Rob called me an expert. When the, he's a the film podcast. senator, guys. He's I, a film senator. <laughs> I like to watch movies and I read about movies, and and this is legit. I was excited to come on because I my my friends at this point are tired of me talking about movies or, or recommending movies to them. So me and you should probably communicate more then, yeah. because and my then friends are the same fucking way. Mm-hmm. So. I have yeah. a. <laughs> that's when uh, when they're tired of it, I either do it just a mini episode where I talk myself, or I bring somebody else on to talk with me about. Get ready it. for a lot of superhero musicals, though. <laughs> you guys are kind of different uh, areas of expertise. Scores are scores, my man. That's very true. Very true. <laughs> that's my catchphrase on a podcast, my man. Yeah, um, I like it. I like it. Make it work. Mine's Jimmy Crack Corn, baby. Um, which is. <laughs> It's not. I don't think you've ever said that on the podcast. <laughs> I think drunk, I said it once. Drunk exactly. at a golf course one time. Yeah, I like it, my man. Um, so uh, we don't have to go through all of them because I have a list of about probably fifteen. Um, if there if there are ones you want to talk about, obviously please take it and and run with it. It's an open forum, and if it's boring, we can cut it. But just run with it. So yeah, who wants to take? Well, I was gonna say, why don't we get the big hitters out of the way? So. And talk about like why why those big hitters are important, and then we'll get to some of the more like subtle ones. So I think a good thing to start with is that any film by any score by John Williams, we should probably just talk about right now. Exactly, that's, that's fine. Yeah, just get that's, that out of the way. That's half my list. That's half my <laughs> list as well. Um, Let's just cross them off the list. Give me so one. Why don't we all just um, if you have a John Williams score? Uh, I don't know. Pick the these are now. Pick one or two that you think are the best that are your favorite. And we can go from there. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Not the the big John Williams ones. And I'm gonna say Jurassic Park. 
Yes. That's not a big one. That's I'm saying now because I'm thinking the the, the the two big ones are Star Wars and the Jones. I'm not going to pick one of those. I think there's right. a big. Uh, they are the big ones, but there. I think there's another. What am I missing? Them. There's a Harry, huge one. Harry and Potter. Back to the Future is my other one. He also does Jaws. Jaws. I was going to say Jaws. Jaws I, Jaws, I was saving for you, Espo. To and be he does. Um, I don't want to kind of ruin it to ET. So the, all right, so let me talk about mine now that we've said them all. None, none, none <laughs> of this matters. Jurassic Park is the one because uh, that's just one of those you hear it and like you immediately just. I don't know what it is about the Jurassic Park song. There's a really nerdy part of me that when I was in school and uh, played in the orchestra, played the Jurassic Park song, and that was actually like my favorite thing ever that we we've ever played. But it's just one of those, like, not that I get chills, but, like, I could listen to the Jurassic Park song, whereas I'm not going to sit there and, like, listen to the Indiana Jones theme song. Sure. It's one of the, like, I'll listen to it just sitting in my house. It's a weird okay. thing. Um, and Back to the Future is the same way, but that's just because of, like, the, the nerdy part of me, of the John Williams movies, Back to the Future is pr- arguably the one I've seen the most. Really? Because when I was growing up, we watched it all the time. There's a running joke in my house that, like, whenever Back to the Future was on, we would put it on. Like, as children, like my, my dad would put it on, we'd all watch it. And my mom would talk, talk about how, like, oh, this is on again, you're watching this again. And then, like, I had it on the one day, and she was like, well, like, when I was older, and she's like, what movie is this? And I was like, Back to the Future. She was like, oh, I've never seen it. But all <laughs> me, my brother, my sister all remember her talking, like, complaining about how Back to the Future was always on. But apparently she's never seen it. My family, actually, we had the same running joke with another John Williams film, which was uh, Schindler's List. And we, it just was on all the time. On the Back to the Future. <laughs> or, or is it, actually? I don't know. I've never seen Schindler's List. Neither have I. That was a bad joke. Uh, the, thing with, oh, Jesus. The, um, the thing with Jurassic Park, Bob, and I, I can relate, is that when a thing with film scores and, and I think it's a lot of these iconic ones, John Williams, there's this, there's this feeling of kind of ease and relief when you're not watching the, when you're not watching the movie, when you're just kind of listening that um, for me, it's a sense of calmness. It, it calms me down where um, it can transport you to a place where Jurassic park is a shit fucking scary place to be, but that score is full of so much wonder and so much it, kind of adventure in a way that it's like you said it's the build i think um, it does a good job of like in a musical form uh describing like you can hear like how beautiful the park is on paper like like in in theory yeah i think that's, a, I think that's shit great. Hits the pain and obviously uh newman dies and that's mm-hmm. It kind of does tell the story in a way where uh, there's there's this feeling of, like I said, wonder, adventure, and then there's also the part of like oh shit, where it kind of comes, comes down and it does the the gritty aspect of the song, and then it, it does come back, um, and I think it does a really good job of that, and I think that's all what John Williams does. I think it's a, and then back he's to one the of the best. Back to the future, dude. It's just that. I hear that song and I think about the DeLorean and I think about a uh, great Scott and you're going to see some serious shit. And it's a nostalgia thing, I think for those. Whereas like, it's also the fact that there's, there are a bunch of Jurassic parks, but like. Do they reuse the, the score throughout the series? Like in the, the I, I haven't seen the new ones cause I just haven't seen anything. I think the score in the new ones are different. <laughs> That's but, my um, bit on the podcast is I haven't seen it. Um, I'd have, 
they don't do they reuse them or like bring it back at any point like it's like the same like thematic but it's they like tweak it it's not the exact same song there's i think there's a reference to it right did he do the the new ones did he like come back and and alter them himself let me look it's not not credited no it wasn't on the list that i just looked up no he did the new star wars but like yeah, Back to the Future, the there's three Back to the Future. So it's not like Star Wars where I've heard the Star Wars song, like the main Star Wars song that you would reference in 12 different movies, Back to the Future, it's it's there. So it's not like overplayed for me. So Jurassic World is Michael Gian... I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Gian Nicho, uh, who also did Star Trek. The, the I like Star that you did... Okay. You guys can't see this at home, but when... Uh, RP tried to say the guy's Italian last name. He did like the that's a spicy meatball hand first. <laughs> and he held it for a while as he <laughs> as he chewed on the name. He held on it really. Yeah. He knew he knew where it was coming from and he knew he couldn't pronounce it, but he did want to give it that respect. Yeah, he, he knew when you were here you were family, so he let that <laughs> he let that hold for a while. Like a tasty like glass he, of wine. He was doing like an inglorious bastards uh anything else to add as you too i had one hans well we're still on john williams saving private ryan which mm-hmm. has a really good score um specifically uh it's the one scene it's i think it starts and ends the movie where um uh what the fuck's his name matt damon's character is like walking through the cemetery and he's mm. going to see yeah. the grave of Tom Hanks's character, the song in that, that like, if, if you look it up and listen to it, is like a really good composed song, and that's that's like one of my favorites from the movie. I didn't even think of because I was I was last time we when we did like the nostalgic songs, I was thinking I was trying to think of like Forrest Gump because there is a score to Forrest Gump, but it's yeah. not like something. It's like, it's like subtle like, because there's so much other mu- music in Forrest Gump. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy. There's a score by Tyler Bates, but it's all outshined by. What's the thing? Like, Saving, Saving Private Ryan, it doesn't have that much of a score, but that scene is. Yeah. But that's like, what I, so I was trying to think of like war movies. Yeah. If there are any good like scores. And I couldn't, I didn't think of anything for Saving Private Ryan. But I, I wasn't thought of it because part. honestly, I've seen the movie so many times that just. It just, I just stuck on my head that, that scene. Um, and you also mentioned Jaws, right, Shane? Yeah, he also does Jaws. Which is, that's, so it, Jaws is like the first one that I think we've talked about where the, the score is a character. Absolutely. Yep. The movie completely, I, I, I teach Jaws. I do a horror film class and I teach Jaws. And um, yeah, you, you don't have the movie. If they remove the score from the movie Jaws, it's not in the same movie. It would, it would not have left a mark. I Considering the character doesn't show up to like 45 minutes into the movie and there's yeah. already this, this trepidation of, oh, fuck what's what is the like you said it's a character absolutely espo do you have any john williams ones you would like to talk about i'm gonna go with sleeper i don't know if it's a sleeper but it's one that, that hasn't been brought up yet which i don't think i realized was him but the original home alone is john williams and that that score is one that like immediately comes to my mind like rob keeps talking about the uh the back to the future in my head like it won't play for me for some like we talked about et won't play for you guys yeah I, it doesn't play for me but the the home alone one it's i can recall that from memory any any time any place that one throughout it is great absolutely home alone fantastic film is that like there's a few different ones there's like i the, like the one where he's preparing for battle yeah 
I mean, I, I feel like the whole movie is kind of, aside, like, they have, like, the classics, but, yeah, the whole movie is built on, like, a few different ones. It's not the same repetitive one that plays over and over again when you try to find it. Trying to find it real fast, yeah. John Williams. While you guys load those up, I'll do my John Williams ones. Um, obviously, Harry Potter, uh, huge influence in my life. Those I own all the vinyl, uh, all the, the scores for all seven movies or eight movies or whatever on vinyl because I just love to listen to him. John Williams did the first two. Um, and then obviously the iconic Harry Potter uh, theme, uh, Hedwig's, Hedwig's theme um, is heard throughout all eight films. Um, but there's a specific, um, to get more specific into which film, uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the Potter Waltz, which is the, the song that they all dance to um, at the Yule Ball was done by Patrick Doyle. That film was composed by Patrick Doyle. That is my favorite theme score in in all of like film. I love it so much. Um, there's so much that I think of. It, like it, That's the main one when I feel overwhelmed or I feel um, kind of just that I need a, a break. I put that on. It's two minutes of just kind of calmness, relaxation, um, and just – it's just like a feel-good song. Um, we had—I remember in, in senior year of high school, we had to write about a piece of art that we can relate to or that is important to us, and that's what I wrote about because um, I absolutely loved it. And it just puts me in this place. And and also, it's one of the theme, one of the um, themes, like songs that are played in Universal in the Wizarding World while you're in Hogsmeade. That is one of like the five or six scores the songs that they play and it always just transports me back kind of to there and it, it it just it sets the tone for that that dance where there's just a lot of like the how the the the, the scene starts out where he's like uh he forgets he has to dance with uh miss patel and i'd say miss patel because i can't remember if it's padma or the or the the other one um that would be embarrassing. It would have been super embarrassing. <laughs> My face is beat red. But that that scene starts with this, like, he's like, oh, fuck. And the song starts off with, like, this high pace, like, intense, um, not really, like, intense, but it's just, it's quick uh, score. And that's just, that's the main Harry Potter one that I love. Um, and then, obviously, Star Wars. Once we hear the, the either the main scroll or the, uh, the Imperial March, um, there's so many that and John Williams did all nine films uh, and did a really fucking awesome job. I don't think I really need to go in any more into uh, Star Wars with John Williams. I think we could honestly probably have a whole episode about the Star Wars score, uh, but that's not what we're doing today. And then one more just fun fact and more so just a really good film, uh, Far and Away with Tom Cruise and uh, Nicole Kidman. He did the score for that movie as well, which is a pretty solid movie. So nobody mentioned E.T. No. If you're talking about prior. Because I've never I've never sat down and watched E.T. all the way through. Really? I haven't since I was a kid. I like I, I like him. I like when he dresses up like uh, little Drew Barrymore. That's funny. Yeah, it's, <laughs> funny. it's a funny bit. I, I used to dress up like little Drew Barrymore. I did right before this podcast. I was going to say until, until COVID started and my mom told me I had to stop. Because you would be going out to very crowded places dressed as little Drew Barrymore. The one yeah. time we went to the bar and he was dressed as little Drew Barrymore and he got a ton of drinks from this one guy all night. Yeah. And then I went over and asked for Reese pieces and he was like, why do you have a beard? And why are you talking with a clearly fake lisp? 
Why is, you, you real because you really laid it on too. Yeah, really, oh, I went full in for Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. never go full Drew Barrymore. No, I I had a picture of Jimmy Fallon next to me just because like this this is the FEMA pitch. <laughs> I'm also in fever pitch. <laughs> this is the FEMA pitch. I like favorite pitch. I like it. Says it. <laughs> that was more Mike Tyson too. Yes, that was absolutely Mike Tyson. Oh God. Uh, wait. So I want to take a second. Uh, we got this. Is the Potter Waltz? Which is a song that I do remember. Fast forward a little bit. And then this is Setting the Trap from Home Alone. I don't know if this is the one you like or not. That was the one I mentioned. That's what I'm saying. This one that you like, RP? Yeah, this is because, I mean, it's what? Carol the Bells that they incorporate. Yeah, they like switch it up. But yeah. Home Alone's one of the ones that like slipped my mind really i'm upset about it oh man the uh well this is the the clear theme yeah because to me home alone great movie but you don't think of the score really you do now that i'm now that you're playing it like when he's setting the house up you think about what's the music that's playing yeah well i'm also a weirdo and my i'm an only child so like my parents would just like be like let's see what he likes since he doesn't have any siblings to latch on to so i had the home alone cd as a child and would just play like it would just be on as like we decorated for Christmas. So like maybe that like nostalgia of it carried over. But for whatever reason, I latched on to uh, Mel Torme's uh, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." I know this isn't the you talked about nostalgia songs last week. But the score of that really like that that brings me back. That's like my house decorating for Christmas is the the Home Alone score. So we've yet to do a in the year and uh, the one year that we could, we've yet to do a Christmas episode, but. Espo, the door's wide open, man. Oh, I'm, hey, I got a lot of Christmas episode. stories as a only child freak. Is more it? so, more so music than your uh, little oh, back, your, oh. your creepy backstories. But yeah, hey, we, well, I'll take it. We'll take it. No, we don't want to hear that. We we have enough stories about uncles on this show. <laughs> Thanksgiving, but Christmas ones are fine as well. And then here's the ET song that no one has mentioned. This is the flying theme, which I think would be the one that we know. Yeah, and you mentioned the ride earlier, Bob. This is what's in the ride, too. Okay, so I was like, I definitely know the song, but I just can't. Okay, now I know it. Yeah. Okay. Which... I feel like John Williams has that that kind of, it's going to be weird to say, but that twinkle. If you can, you can kind of hear it in a lot of his songs. And... I agree with that, because the second you hear that, I immediately think of Hook, yep. which is John Williams, and also has that same – like, I feel like when John Williams does movies intended for for children, not that, like, Star Wars isn't, but it's, it's not, like, targeted to children, whereas I would say, like, Hook and E.T. are. Star Wars is a kid. There, there, there is, like, a, a Harry Potter, the same thing. Yep. There's, no, there's a better word, I'm sure, that makes me sound – less weird but yes there is a twinkle to uh yeah, it's it's i twinkle is a good way to put it i yeah, think yeah. i like it so because i as soon as i just heard that et song i was like oh he that's that's hook it's the same thing he has this like so we all love hook weirdly enough it's rotten on rotten tomatoes wow well, rotten tomatoes doesn't know anything I, I agree but i just i found that interesting i thought this was like a really respected like appreciated movie 
for, for the record, if you think that it's a bad movie, I just watched it, and so did Shane. I don't. I, I hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Not, no, not you. I don't I'm, think I'm it's a bad movie. Attacking the listeners right now. I'm attacking the DC fanboys. You talking? You're attacking the party boys. Yeah. That's so much better than uh, recording. Recordiax. Brian's going to be shout, shout out to Brian. Oh, Brian, you want me to shout out for a while? People hate your Recordiax. I'm sorry. It's just me. I really dislike it. Are you? Have you devolved your fan base into two factions now? The Recordiax no, and the Party so, Boys. So uh, Brian, who's been on the show, came as up saying with- as the Party Boy episode hasn't dropped yet. Yes, we have. Okay. <laughs> All right. Brian, who's been on who has has been on the show, uh, came up with that we should call our fan base the Recordiax, and I've hated it since day one. I'm Team Party Boys. I'm well, party fully boys, Party Boys just happened because of this Fuzz Bucket movie. Okay, and that said, like that's a brand new thing. That yeah, if the options were between Party Boys and Recordiacs, and people were voting for Recordiacs, there's something yeah. wrong. You, yeah, you better dump that. Thing. I, after the next yeah, episode, a couple weeks after the, the last episode, the, the next episode drops. I'll put out a poll and see if people like Recordiacs or Party Boys. I just don't. Why would you not want to be called the Party Boys? <laughs> Well, well, if Fuzz Bucket's telling Fuzz me Fuzz. I'm a party boy, I don't want to be a fucking party boy. Fuzz, Fuzz Bucket call, call, oh, hi, party boy. Fuzz Bucket calls like a sixth grader party boy the whole time, so it is kind of weird in that regard. Here's the thing: it's not. He says it once at the end of the movie. That's it. It's not even the whole time. You're telling me sixth graders don't party, and we all know what I mean by party. They're just partying <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, Ruger, yeah, Booger Sugar. Well, apparently it was the norm in Darby O'Gill. But that was that's, the norm in Darby O'Gill. Yeah, it, it was snowing in Ireland. It's snowing in the sixth grade. But um, we're done with John Williams. That dude's gone. He's out. Uh, we also just need to mention Indy a little bit. Just. We Indy did theme fucking, is you know what? No. Huge. We, we did, did that for four episodes. <laughs> exactly, Shane. It's it crazy how worn you know how worn out I was. I was more worn out from the four good movies yeah. than the three shit ones I watched for the Disney Plus episode. Like yeah, it was like work. It was like work, and I don't know how how did this get made? Does it? And we, they watched terrible movies. We watched a good movie. Um, I think it's actually easier with a good with a bad movie. It is easier with a bad movie because you can, yeah, absolutely. You're just like, this is fucking ridiculous. So next time we do that, next quarantine, when it happens, um, we will just pick uh, one movie. You mean year two of this quarantine? Yeah, yeah when two. it continues. He said next quarantine, like this one's over. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's over like for some people. Good, like we're all having a good time recording in person right now. We're all, yeah, we're not. We're all remote. Uh, CDC. Rob, you are going out next weekend dressed as your Barrymore to <laughs> bars again, though, right? Your, your grand reopening? Uh, actually, uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. waiting. Oh, yeah, yeah, next weekend. I was going to say, it's a yeah, weekend. So, yeah, ne- not this. Yeah. He actually There's, said, he, weirdly, Bob said to me he wanted to take it on tour and start in Boston as uh, little Drew Barrymore. Yeah. More Barrymore is the I title. I wanted to go to Boston <laughs> and stand outside of if we uh, ever if we if we ever get to if we I've never been kissed. <laughs> I've been on fifty first dates. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> if we ever get to a point in our podcast career, because I doubt it, because I doubt. I don't know how, you can go on tour. I know it's going to be going. called. Yeah, I'll dress up like you, Barry. Well, that too, and it's going to be called the more Barry tour. That's there just it what it's going to be. Wow. Better. Yeah. We need to go on tour now. All right, next. Wait, next wait, 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 so you just passed up the opportunity to call it the Drew Barry tour. 
which I'm very upset about. I call oh, it Barry Barry tour. The second tour. The second. Rob's already been on his Barry tour. Yeah, the Drew Barry tour was my romp about. <laughs> and and it, rudely it, enough, it, we weren't invited on the initial Barry tour. Barry tour. You weren't invited. You were there. You just weren't. In, <laughs> you weren't uh, respectfully and uh, formally invited. No. <laughs> That's true. Um, I've been touring as Drew Barrymore's for the last. But you know, of my life. But you know who does tour? Hans Zimmer. For me, Hans Zimmer has done a lot of cool movies, um, such as basically anything by Christopher Nolan. And so, obviously, the big one is The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight has such a like a, a good theme uh, score to it because it sets the precedent for the for precedent for the Joker. Um, and Batman and kind of everything that's going on in that film. Um, and when you hear the, the loud bass for the Dark Knight, like you know uh, exactly where it is, what it's coming through, what it's coming to, and kind of, it's just, a, it's a really good score. Um, I wouldn't say that that one's a character, but um, I was it kind say, of just has like a, a superhero feel to it. That um, one, I was thinking the same thing. Cause the Dark Knight is on my list and the Dark Knight, it's different. Like in Jaws, the score is a character. Like you hear the music and like something's around the corner. The same with we haven't gotten there. But I mean, that's a big thing in horror movies. I'll just leave it at that. Where like the score is a character. In The Dark Knight, the score is almost like a part of the setting. Yep. Like that yeah. whole movie is dark. It's set in the dark, this dark city of Gotham. And like the score relates to that. Like just had the way it comes off. It's it, like you said, the bass, the, the tones. In the, in, in, the, in the score and the tones it sets, like they, they equal out. Where it, Would The Dark Knight be the same without the score? Would it still be a good movie? Like, is yes. that the make or break aspect? No, like it, it, it's not a make or break thing, but well, it definitely helps to relay the city itself. Well, there's the one score from The Dark Knight that I actually hate. I think it's when the Joker shows up. When it, I don't know how to put it, but it's, it sounds kind of just like pages flipping where it's like. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, you're see you're on a computer it. and you could have played it, but you I, chose. I'm trying to. Wait, to. Was, that, was that not the actual music he was just playing? It sounded uh, like no, the, the, There's more oboe in the actual score. <laughs> he, he I heard, heard a lot of oboe. It must be something else that's missing. You want more elbow? I'll give you more elbow. <laughs> Are you talking about like when he's uh, like, the, I, I haven't seen it in forever, but when he's robbing the bank? Like the beginning of that? I think so. No, no, because that's a different score in the beginning. The, when he's robbing the bank, when it kind of opens up and it's just that like one long drawn out note, basically. Right. He's. I think he's talking about something else. Okay. Well, he. I, I mean, Dark Knight was a huge. That's like Michael Mann written all over. Like Heat was the biggest like influence on the, at least the bank heist scene. Uh, in that, so maybe he was attempting to do like that sort of industrial heat compose, whatever it's score. This. Okay. Kind of feels like sticks beating together, not pages turning. That just, I don't know why, it just kind of bothers me. What part of the movie is that from? That's, I think, when he's taken down the scarecrow. When you're um, stealing the oboe. <laughs> the oboe is a big theme of the Batman. It's actually the motivation for the for the Joker. He wants to obtain the uh, There's a little known fact uh, that, like, people talk about how it's, it's Bruce's mother's pearls. That the that Joe Chill is trying to steal, but in the original comic, she's carrying an oboe. 
Right. And then, I mean, it's that's a, why it's they a, have to leave the theater because he's playing it during yeah. the show. And they're like, ma'am, ma'am, you have to stop. And then Joe Chill sees him. He's like, give me that fucking oboe. Yeah, well, get a load of that oboe. And did well, he know that that oboe birthed the Dark Knight? <laughs> Yeah. And we all know that Heath Ledger unfortunately passed away from blowing on an oboe too hard, and That's he lost true. his breath, and he couldn't regain it. And Mary Kate, well, it had, it had, the oboe's a silent killer. It makes so many <laughs> widows out there. It's unbelievable. That's right. They they call it the widow maker. Yeah, in the orchestra in the orchestra scene. It, yeah. So Keith 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 Ledger. Fuck Keith. We might as well talk about Keith Ledger because all this is made up anyway. He's Keith still Ledger. alive. His natural was was a flautist, and that's, that's why he's still alive. Less air, yeah. Less air to blow into it. Green instruments, baby. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this could go for a while. I don't. <laughs> this has now become the oboe episode. What's your favorite that, oboe? I don't know that RP's ever stopped a, a dumb tangent with "shut the fuck up" before. <laughs> <laughs> Oboes with Espo. <laughs> that's your new podcast. I'm coming back. <laughs> The Branch Off podcast is Oboes with Espo. We can start a whole previously recorded network. And just it's have one, I'll take it. He listens to one song an episode and goes, did you guys fucking hear that oboe? <laughs> could, you, could you tell? He pinpoints the, uh, the oboe uh, influences in each and every song, mm. starting with American Idiot. Uh, that's going to be yes. his first one. I, you can't fucking think, pull that. You can't pull that shit off with a clarinet. That's that's yeah. fucking oboe right there. Well, I think oboes with espo should be you slowly learning how to play the oboe every episode. <laughs> Absolutely, I'll try to cover. I'll that try to not, cover. I don't think how that'll make a good podcast, but uh, oh, I want oh. it. I want it. Every, every episode, I have someone come on. Oboe, we uh, oboe uh, espo. <laughs> we have we have an it's, open SoundCloud. We can put you on, man. All right. So here's the premise. I think so. Here's the premise. Oboes with Espo. It's somebody. Yeah, he has a guest every episode, and they sit there and <laughs> while, they have to while Espo tries to learn the oboe. Specifically, just, American just, Idiot. Like no, any song, any song. Every and so you play a song, and it takes an hour for that person to guess what the fuck you're playing. It's just right. like you're sitting there. You play, play. How'd that sound? I don't know what that was. All right, all right, I'll start from the top. Does anybody like, even know what an oboe sounds like? I, I was going to Google what it looked like to make sure you do blow into it. Yeah, you do, you do. This would be so like awkward that. if you beat it. It's like It sounds like the thing they used to like tame snakes. I see it. I see it now. There are a lot of keys on it's that bad It's going to be challenging. <laughs> well, I hope that you can learn the Rocky theme on an oboe. Oh wow! Wow, is that Hans Zimmer as well? That is not Hans Zimmer. That uh, okay. is, uh, well, wait, we go back no, to Hans hold on. Nobody else got a chance. To <laughs> yeah. I do. I was looking for a segue. All right, I I had to find one. All right, go. I do have a really good my without like me trying to bridge the gap. The last one I had to look up John Williams scores and pick one that was uh, not talked about. Hans Zimmer was my out of the gate choice. Um. Because I think, like, even before I really knew, like, scores as a thing, aside from, like, kids' movies and stuff, my favorite score out of a movie that, like, really got me into the movie and was like, wow, this is unique, was Hans Zimmer's score from the movie True Romance. If you've seen it, um, True Romance, written by Tarantino, directed by Tony Scott. Uh, super gruesome, like, to uh, a guy and a girl go on the run, like, vigilante style and kill a bunch of people and it's blood and gore. But the score of it is, like, the super optimistic, like, tropical song. I've never seen that movie. I know of it through Westway, but I've never seen it. The way that he just pitched it made me want to watch it, though. 
Why? Because he's never... Tarantino? Oh. You've never seen it? Mm-mm. It could be. Like, Tarantino gets, I mean, I have I've, one of my favorite directors, sure. But, like, the past, I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the past X amount, the Django and Heath Late, I didn't like. And I, he's obviously overhyped by film buffs Wait, and stuff. Wait, you but... liked Once, in a, Once Upon a Time, but you didn't like Django and uh, yeah, Heath Once... Yes, absolutely. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I um, I, I I'm not like a huge Western guy, and we can get into westerns because, of course, there's a, a iconic score from the westerns. But um, I yeah, because I never really watched them either. But go ahead. I know the music. I um, but yeah, it, the the two westerns that he did were not my favorite. But True Romance was prior. I think he wrote it around the same time as Reservoir Dogs, so it's early Tarantino, and it has like his mark all over. It's Christian Slater, and he plays like a um, a dude who works in a video store, and he's like this big nerd, and he hires this prostitute. And he falls in love with her one night and then he has to like get her away from her pimp and like they go on the run and they get involved in like drugs and stuff. But this score, so it's a Tarantino written all over, but this is the score to it. Sounds like I'm going under the sea. Yeah, all right. So you're watching right? Little Mermaid. I can so, the Little Mermaid. It's basically a ripoff of the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, because it is a ripoff. Heath Slater had, wants to have legs. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's it. Um, what's it a uh, What's it a ripoff of? So, um, I didn't know this because I was in love with that score forever. I was like, True Romance is incredible. I mean, that was me being a film buff in in high school, Tarantino through and through. And then as I got, like, more into, like, watching different movies, I started to watch Terrence Malick. He did, um, like, The Tree of Life is, like, the newest, bigger one. But he did The Thrin- Thin Red Line and then a few others. But back in the 70s, he did a movie called Badlands, um, which is basically the same sort of thing. It's Richard Gere. Uh, I'm sorry. It's Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. And they go on the run, and they're, they're like, two young lovers who are trying to escape the cops. And this is the score to that. Oh, Yeah. It's just steel drums all the way through. Right. So he, Hans Zimmer, took it. I, I know he was feeling hot, hot, hot. It doesn't fit the, the oboe with Espo thing, but can we have you try to learn how to play a steel drum instead? Because that's a lot more fun. It is, uh, yeah. And, you, and, can, you know what? If you can learn, um, I feel like maybe your podcast should be you learn a new instrument every episode. And you might not actually not well. learn it, but <laughs> you might be able to play the first couple – yeah. chords of and, a song and you're going to play the original one of the score for the donut movie or whatever it was called and then the rip-off score for tarantino badlands was the the badlands. original yeah i don't know why it's... i said donut. Why, yeah, why, what if donuts have to do with that i got so confused when you said so the... i i, I think what my what my, what my brain went to is there's a tarantino movie called from like dust till dawn i think oh yeah. incredible i yes. watched that with espo actually so yeah. there's a there this coffee company i order from put out a new flavor called from dust till donut bones coffee yes make it a sponsor there you go bones coffee uh, brought to you by episode previously recorded is brought to you by bone coffee so it just made me think of donuts and coffee all right um, yeah completely unrelated but it's a tangent this is what we do um this podcast is also brought to you by um i don't know i tried to team us up with truly but they didn't nobody answers me on twitter um scumbags uh, that's yeah. That, that score sounds something that um, is really kind of up. Is it uplifting? Is the movie uplifting at all? No, no. It's it's, it's like a super depressing. Both of them are like. Tarantino is probably super dark. 
Yeah, and the original one, the Terrence Malick one too. Like a lot of beautiful imagery, but it's like a very dark movie. Which is um, interesting to have a light score like that, and uh, maybe this, that's just what the steel drum brings is is some kind of airiness to it. Um, to to have a, a deep movie like that or a dark movie like that um, is it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. I don't uh, I don't know why. I mean, like it, it's a colorful movie. At least the Tarantino one is a lot of bright colors and stuff, but it's still super. Okay, dark. well then that kind of that kind of fits it a little bit. Um, yeah. There's tone. Does anybody else have? Uh, I do have another Hans Zimmer one. Does anybody else have one? I had, um, I had uh, at least two I wanted to say. All right, uh, go ahead, Shane. Well, the first one was one of the first ones I put on the list, uh, Gladiator, which is like one of my favorite scores from any movies. Wait, so I agree with that, but I just looked it up, and it's not. Apparently, it's not Hans Zimmer. I looked up Hans Zimmer, and that said it was him. And then when I looked up Gladiator, it's a soundtrack uh, by Eddie Van Hoothoist and Gavin Greenaway and the Lindhurst Orchestra. Because I was going to say the same thing. I don't know who to believe then. It's on. I'm on Zimmer's uh, Wikipedia page, and Gladiator is on here. As um, him, but is, did he compose it, or was he just like – he, yes, he might have. He might so have. This gladiator expanded score is Hans Zimmer. Yeah, he got so nominated for an Academy Award for it. For this, all right, because this is artists, or I, I guess he composed it, and that's who performed it, and that's where I'm getting confused. Probably. So yeah, so gladiator counts, Shane. I apologize for cutting you off. Well, but it was one scene in particular is like the only one I ever really think of. Are you not entertained? No, no, no. no. At the end, when he's fighting Commodus and. Uh, like before the scene, communists like sneakily. Wait, is that when Reese Witherspoon the or um, Drew Barrymore shows up? You, you ruined it. Move, move I did. past it. I did. I we're can't. On, do, dude, we're on oboes now. I can't. <laughs> I can't do a Reese voice. Howdy. <laughs> that shit's dead. That shit's done. We're on S. We're on oboes now. All right, sorry. Sorry, Shane. So after he kills Commodus and he dies, and he's kind of like he's going through that door into the after afterlife. The the song that's playing there which I think you should, if you can cut it in right here. Absolutely. Or I actually have it right here. I'm just going to play it. Yeah, play it for us, and then you can. Yeah, they're probably an ad. You know you can search this stuff on, like, Spotify. Eh. I already have my stuff. I had it queued up, but then I accidentally closed uh, the YouTube app. So this is right after he's killed any, like. Feels like a U2 song. So this is when he's walking through, like, the wheat field, and, like, his family's waiting for him because they were already killed. This whole score is good. What was your other one, Bob? Uh, my other one, it's like a, it's a mix, but Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that one's good. Doesn't he? What's that? Doesn't he do all of them? I don't know. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean is a big one for me. Not because, the score is great, don't get me wrong, and like, I'm a big fan of it. But I had a friend when we were younger, probably like 18, 19, where like, you're working like a shit job somewhere. Like, he worked at a food store. And he told me that uh, if he didn't feel like fucking doing his job, he would put his headphones in and he would stock shelves with the Pirates of the Caribbean song playing because it made him feel like he was doing something more important. <laughs> so, like, I always, whenever I hear that song, I'm like, just imagine doing like a really mundane task to this song is very funny to me. Is he all right? Is he doing uh, like that? Nah, he's, he's struggling. <laughs> um, no, but like, imagine like you just start blasting that song to fold your laundry. It's going to make you want to fold your laundry a little bit. It makes me want to pick up a sword and air fight something, uh, like a pirate. Dude, if you like, if the wind blows the right direction, you want to pick up a sword and air fight somebody. That's true. I am uh, weirdly enough. A month ago, I was 
through Dead Man or the Dead Man's Chest, and I'm just finishing World the third one t- today. I finished uh, Pirates three with my 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 really 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 slow rewatch of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like my original watch of Sopranos. Yeah, I know. I love the Pirates movie. So I, I had this one picked out too. Weirdly, uh, this He's a Pirate is the one that we know when Jack comes rolling into dock at uh, Port Royal. Kind of just tells the tale of a superior pirate, which Jack isn't. Uh, but he always finds a way to get the It's my understanding that dead men tell no tales. Is that it, it is true, but he's not dead. Not yet. It, it's not. It comes up as Hans Zimmer, but it's actually not. It's, it's uh, Klaus Bedelt. Uh, probably it's a French, probably a French name that I spent, said wrong anyway. Like dirt, like you like to put. Yeah, you know, so what I'm looking up is that it's a, it's a combination of them, of the both of them. Yeah, so it's produced Hans Zimmer, Klaus Bedelt. It's a yeah, the same thing that just happened with. So composed by him, produced by Hans Zimmer. And I think that um, it's one of the most iconic scores that I kind of think doesn't get the love that it deserves. This Pirates, a lot of the songs uh, throughout the Pirates films. Mainly just the first one, though. The, there's a lot of good moments that the music emphasizes or, or makes better, or makes more dramatic. That I feel even before, prior to this rewatch, I felt this way that it doesn't get the the. the I feel like these movies don't get the love they deserve. I was gonna say, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that uh, how many pirates movies are there? There are five, and they started in 2003, and five came out in 2018. You think so it has anything to do with the fact that there could probably have been one, and everybody would have been fine? I feel like well, I watched no, I mean, three of them. Been, been the first three, I mean, the first three are okay. Shane, hit me, hit me with a little calypso, please. <laughs> it's David Jones. <laughs> it makes you laugh every time. When well, uh, did we have this conversation? It was um, when we were down the shore. Too Dex bottle was a big one too. Um, you were really drunk. I was really drunk. <laughs> These movies are good. They're huge internationally, but so I mean, Avatar. We've talked about that. Oh, my! My only thing, like this is all I'm saying about pirates, is that there are five movies because there was uh, they could make money, and yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that, but like they didn't need to make. Five. It's like there's 55 Fast and the Furious movies. Are they? Do they need to be continuing to make them? Absolutely not. Well, I think you could say that kind of about anything. Past three, is there? Is there I mean, any need to be that about six Rockies? Past the year two thousand, yeah, but Rocky. So you think about that. Where does when does Paulie get the robot? Four, Rocky Three? Four, which is actually a great movie. I though. was going to say, as long as the robot's in there, it, if you go Rocky movies, Rocky Five is the only bad one. I would agree. Um, I would agree that Pirates Three is isn't great, but Four is really good. And I mean, Shane liked Five. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't. I haven't they're, watched. They're cr- they're crazy. Um, like five is absolute, uh, like insane fantasy, but they're fun. I just they're don't. Not, think, it's not like, an Oscar movie. Back in the day, back when I was younger, I feel like if there was a movie like Pirates of the Caribbean where they were just going to keep making them, to keep making them, it was it it was called Land Before Time, and there was fifteen direct videos. You know what I mean? But like since like the year two thousand two thousand five, it's just like all right, fuck it, people are going to go see them. Let's just keep making them. Well, I do think I mean whether or not this... it tells a story anymore or not. So, like, I didn't well, mind I... Pirates Five, but you didn't need Pirates Five because it didn't do anything for the story. Sure, but like well, the Mission Impossible. Did you say it? Yeah, I've seen all of them. 
Mission Impossible is, is another good one, too. Well, I was going to say, they kind of, like, build on each – like, each one gets – I haven't seen the new Pirates, but, like, the, at least, like, with multiple sequels, I like, they build on each other a little bit. They get crazier and crazier. Yeah, it's like Fast and Furious as well. Uh, these Pirates movies have gotten more ridiculous and ridiculous, and I'm a huge fan of the fourth one. I thought the fourth one was so good, um, and it was years after the third one came out. It was like, Right, there was a big – I think break. it was, like, six years after the, the third one. Five or six years. And then same thing with five. So it's not like they're not. Is that the Salma Hayek one? Uh, Penelope, Penelope Cruz. Cruz. Penelope Cruz. They, it's not like they're turning them out to make money like every two years or so. I think that it just has a fan base. They that, were. Well, they did two and three back to back because the stories are very, they're very much one film. And then it was three years from one to two. I just feel like. It's just like kind of with anything that has a fan base. If if you can make a, a decent enough movie, people will go and see it. And this the, the fifth one made eight hundred million dollars, but was considered a flop. It's just like Fast and the Furious. These movies keep getting more and more absurd, but we keep going to see them. Uh, even though I didn't Hobbs and Shaw, I didn't see in theaters, but when it came out, I watched it on DVD. It was good. Um, the Wicks are headed that way. The, the Wick films. Yeah, I like John Wick. Same thing. Uh, I didn't watch well, till the well, third one. Yeah, Wick film. I, I watched one is awesome. Two and three are fine. Yeah, you probably could have stopped after one. They absolutely, they absolutely could have stopped. There was no, there was no further need to tell a John Wick story. Yeah, um, they're fun. They're dumb. They're, they're, they're fun. Yeah, there's um, dogs in the third. There is dogs in the third. Uh, and Bobon's in third. Uh, but we kind of talked about oboes uh, with Bobon. Oboes, oboes hey, with Bobon. You can get him in. I, I mean, they're they're striking right now. I feel like he doesn't have much to do. I could uh, call him. <laughs> one of the uh, we did mention that one of the movies that kind of didn't need to exist, but I really enjoyed the score is uh, The Hobbit. There is a song from The Hobbit. The guy who composed was Howard Shore. Oboes um, in the shower. Oboes in the shower. It's called Old Friends. Oboes um, in the shower. And it has a very nice, very nice Hobbit feel. And then it gets darker. And then it goes back. Uh, so I it think kind of tells the, the tale films, of Lord of the Rings. The, I was going to say, the Hobbit films are absolutely 100% influenced by Lord of the Rings. And absolutely unnecessary to have more than one. 100%. But, like, that score, <clears throat> it's like talking about the Jurassic – it's like saying Jurassic World has a great score. Like, it's absolutely – even if it's not the same song, it's been influenced by the original. Right. So, for you to bring up The Hobbit, I think that that's it's a perfect segue into us talking about, like, The Lord of the Rings is one of – that's a top five for me. Yeah, The Lord of the Rings is fantastic. This The Return of the King, all of them, Fellowship, the Twin Towers – or The Two Towers is more – definitely more darker, but uh, – Towers, man, too soon. Oh, it came out the same year that that happened. Yeah, I, I've, I haven't so it's all. That. A what when happened? I, I don't when, remember. The, oh, it's a it's conspiracy. You wouldn't believe oh, it. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just like people don't believe the fucking Holocaust happened. Fellowship came out at one. Okay. So they came out very – I didn't see them. I saw them both. I saw one and two out of theaters, and I saw three in theaters. But those scores are fantastic, especially in the first one where introducing this Hobbit, the, the Shire, and then setting up this – incredible journey of groups of people is i could we could honestly do a podcast on the entire lord of the rings uh we could do an episode per movie because there's a lot of things we, we 
a just saying, no, it's no banking topic. It's banking topics. Okay. Uh, just, um, keep saying on the air, and I'm like, well, yeah, we could. Let's talk about the scores, baby. You yeah. know what I when when I was when I was researching when I was doing my my looks, um, I really like comedies. I feel like have just completely fallen off of scores. You know what I mean? Like any new comedy, it's just like whatever sort of music is is the soundtrack to it. But I do have one iconic. In my opinion, at least, and I think you might agree, score for a comedy film. Is it big? No. This is not the – so to, to clarify, this is a woman playing it on the piano with a cup of milk on her piano because I couldn't find the real one. Let me see wow. if it gets into take, like – take, take notes because it sounds like she's got a good thing going and it could work out for your podcast. Seems like she, milk is the key here. She's not doing that good of a job. It was the Billy Madison score, which I find oh, iconic yeah. to the Billy film. Ma- yeah, they do have the Billy Madison Throughout. Song. Throughout the entire film, there's a score. And well, that, gonna, you don't... I was kind of expecting you to say Tommy Boy. Once you Tom, say comedy, that's where I went immediately. Tommy Boy was, like, more soundtrack-based, though, I feel. No, I did... Do, like, when they're, like, transitioning scenes, they're all you're right. music playing. That, that Billy I, Madison is also very soundtrack-based because it came up, like, six times in our Nostalgia episode. Yeah. Uh, the songs from Billy Madison? Oh, yeah, it was, like, Renegade... Um, <laughs> telephone line by EO. Oh my god. Which I, it is yeah. a good point to, to point out though that like I didn't even think about that song, but that song when you hear it is absolutely Billy Madison. Like, yeah, like, oh, that's a Billy Madison song. Him just song. waiting to go to school or like um when he's like laying out in the pool, like they have like that like orchestral music to it that really doesn't exist anymore in comedies, which is kind of it sucks. Um yeah it doesn't because you're right. That's a solid point that no comedy really has an original score. It's all um, it's all music made for, um, or music that that exists that they just plug into the film, which is a which is another part of this music series that we'll we'll eventually have an episode on. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, do you have anything else to add about the comedies? Because I think Bob might have a little bit more to add about Lord of the Rings. No, I'm good on Lord of the Rings. I'm I just Lord I'm trying, trying to like bringing things up. Like I'm okay. just kind of moving through my list. Hobbit. Which I, one do you think for the Lord of the Rings? has the best music influence it's the main song so it's in all three of them okay. it's not like like for me like that's the lord of the rings like when i think of the score i'd have to go back and rewatch them and think about it I'm, i would guess return of the king because it's at that point the like the best of the three movies as Absolutely. far as like full all-around craft um but yeah like the main song is the one that catches you even at so at like the end of fellowship or I think it's playing when they announce it that like they're going to be the Fellowship of the Ring, and then that comes it back throughout the movie. That, there's, that, the, there's just the one score. It's kind of fresh in my mind. I, I don't know why, but from the Fellowship of the Ring, where she Liv Tyler's character clears the water for them, or, or, or sends the water down against the orcs that are attacking them, and it's like a really light, um, kind of like angelly. Uh, score that kind of also goes along just with the narrative of the the reoccurring theme kind of goes along with the narrative of the lord of the rings the elfish culture that i can't i don't know the that's just the same hobbits you know Mm -hmm. hobbits man be respectful but yeah so like the main theme is this theme i don't know if you guys can hear it but you can see that it's that right there it's that Yep. Like you hear a lot, and then like obviously the the heroic one, which is coming up at the very end. But there is like there's like the bam 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 like that part, 
and then there's like that that like lingers in all of them when there's ever anything serious going on. Like those are the ones I think about constantly. Like I I, I always get reminded of. So like just to kind of like run through a couple more while we're going through. So there's there's two that kind of stuck out to me by the same guy. Neither movie, which one I haven't even seen, the other one I don't even like. I didn't enjoy, but they're both by. Vangelis, I guess his name is, the, the a Greek composer, Vangelis. So the one is Chariots of Fire, which you know the fucking score to. Yes. Which is like a big, just an iconic score that like you think about. And then he did the score for Blade Runner as well, which we've talked about. On the podcast, I watched it over quarantine and I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but that's a movie like The Dark Knight where the sc- like it's part of the setting. So the score almost like made it more watchable for me. So but it's very, like technical what's what's happening when he's like in the movie like it's 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 like synths and stuff like that so i googled just looking at like the best film scores and that was on, on a list that was number one and we did talk about this on the podcast during quarantine when i bought it and i've still yet to watch it i have not watched blade runner when i since i bought it three months ago I, I watched it in a film class in college and I was like, anytime they force you to watch a movie, you kind of don't buy in fully. But I, I also wasn't in love with it. And I know that's, that's kind of sacrilegious. It's, it's it. but I don't even think I made it all the way through. I watched it. When was it? Like early in quarantine. I want to say like April or something like that. And uh, yeah, 17 months ago in April. Yeah. I just wasn't for like, cause I, it, it was one of those things where like, in my head, I'd heard so much about it. I was like, you know what? I should watch this movie. It's apparently really good. And I watched it. And the entire time, I'm like, I don't like this at all. I need I to go back. I couldn't get into it, I think, was my issue. It I seems like a, a tough premise to get. It's either you're into it or, or you're not. Yeah, it's like over-the-top sci-fi. And the, the, I mean, maybe it's just because it came out so long ago. I don't remember ever finding out what the twist is. But, like, I knew the twist very it's very mm-hmm. quickly like it's telegraphed like what's going to happen but like the, the the world that he creates is impressive in the in the film oh yeah like the mod the, the atmosphere of it at the very least is and that's that goes with the score and that so that's where the score played a big role is that like there's a, a world that's created there's an atmosphere that's created and even though i didn't like the movie if it wasn't for that atmosphere and that music, I probably would have turned it off before I finished it. So right. really making me want to watch it here. Yeah, I, I told you before, don't bother. <laughs> I think you should. I mean, it has such an influence on like pop, like pop culture in general, sci-fi and action from Blade Runner on. Like, like so many people tout it as an influence, and it's worth watching. As I, like of, I said, go no, I was just gonna say I need to go back. I need to watch as, it again. As big of a movie guy I am, there's so many iconic movies I haven't seen two um terminator two never seen that never seen uh, die hard um, wow which i read at die hard so i, ha- I have i i had a, a gift card it's on my list to watch soon um a lot of them are though movies that when i came out when i when, when i came out when i was born congratulations no, yeah, wow. when i came out of my mother's vagina they were movies that had been out for a while and growing right. up i never i never watched them so just my dad was never into them, so I never I never really watched them. Um, where like Shane, his dad liked those movies, so he's seen all of those. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's just kind of a, a point in my life where I have a list of a bunch of movies that I want to watch. So I'm sure I'm missing some scores here. Um, but I do have uh, one that's kind of was iconic to me. Um, and, it, and granted, it wasn't the first of its kind, uh, but it was kind of the first one 
to me that made a splash were the original Spider-Man movie. The sound, mm -hmm. the score, the main theme um, for the main title of the film is that one. That was huge to me. And when I hear it, I immediately think of Spider-Man. It's not as good as the Spider-Man, Spider-Man, because uh, oh, nothing's is, better man. than that. Somebody, somebody really broke the bank coming up with those lyrics. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's almost as good as none, 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 none of Batman. <laughs> That, Nothing's better that guy, than that. That guy's in a class of his own. But I don't know if you guys can hear it. Yes, I know what you. I know what you know. Yeah. So, and then the, to me, that's the original Spider-Man trilogy. That that's Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. That's Peter Parker. Uh, huge, huge influence at the time. It kind of got my. I don't. I don't know if it did get my love for this for superhero films. I don't know if X Men did that, which came out before it. Was this? I had such a profound love for this first Spider-Man movie. I still do to this day, which we talked about in our. Um, our Spider-Man uh, episode, which we called, I think, Stay at Home, Spider-Man Stay at Home. And it also has like that same feel as Danny Elfman's Batman, uh, where if you literally compare the two, uh, I'm not sure who did this one. I don't know. If Elfman, did. Elfman did. Elfman did this one. Yeah. So they're very, if you listen to this one and the Batman one, they are incredibly similar. Um, he certainly got a wheelhouse. I love Danny Elfman. Like I, I, went, I really like. I went Danny Elfman too, but what's the wheelhouse, Espo? I was going to say just like the, the dun -dun 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 kind of like honky. I don't know how to not honky. Like, it's, like, the, like, it's this. Dun -dun -dun. He does that with Spider-Man and he does it with Batman with the. Right. He's done. So I, I was just Wiki looking at his uh, Wikipedia. He did the new Justice League, which is interesting. Instead Danny of Elfman did? Yeah, apparently. I thought that was Instead Hans Zimmer. Looking, Instead of looking at movies yeah. for Danny Elfman. I just read Danny Elfman slash Tim Burton. So if yeah, there was a right. combination of the two, I probably like the score. So like Edward Scissorhands was the example that I used. Which is Tim Burton uh, as of late. Not great, but I still love his movies. I haven't seen Miss Peregrine's and I don't know, he put out like the right, guys. It's the same. So that's the same as uh I don't know if we ever talked about this, like Percy Jackson. Yeah. Where like I've read the books and the books are very well written and at not they're not, I mean they're not like fucking War and Peace or anything like that but like they're good books they're entertaining and then the first movie for both uh, Miss Peregrine and Percy Jackson they just completely go off script from the book and just fuck themselves as far as having sequels. I think that the thing with Burton is that he started out making very dark movies that had heart. You know what I mean? Like, like even like Beetlejuice, like it's still like a super dark yeah. movie, but then like now he's adapting children's stories and making them darker. You know, like I feel like he lost something in translation. Like um, I, 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 I feel like he the recent ones. Yeah, I the last recent movie I think I saw was Alice in Wonderland, um, where but that that's movie, exactly what that, that's both saying no, where. Yeah. Or I Dumbo. Uh, I didn't. I saw. I started Dumbo. Shane turned it off. He said it was awful. The Dumbo. Um, I feel like he's kind of lost mm -hmm. it. Uh, and I don't know I what, what it is, but like Edward Scissorhands is the perfect dark movie. There's so much heart to that film. Um, Sleepy Hollow. Even Sweeney Todd, there's a little bit of creepy dark. Uh, creepy I feel dark like that movie. was like his last like Tim Burton movie. Like even like the Willy Wonka nonsense. Like eh. I like that movie. I do. I saw it in theaters, and parts of it are like stick with me. Like he's a very good visual One artist. Of those but... things, I think it's, but I think for me and you, Espo, is that they're a little bit younger than us. 
I grew yeah. up on Willy Wonka. I did grow I up know, on Willy I Wonka. I know that, but like you were younger when you saw that. Maybe, right. yeah. So and like, it's, I, it, I it's... Saw it for the first time I was older when I saw it. I was like, I don't fucking like this at all. <laughs> I was like, if I was younger, I might have liked it. And then as I get older, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not that. Like, it's all right. I like it. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of it when it came out, and I just read the book too. And it is like, wor- like exact, like the, the Rod Dow book. My, my book is a little. One of my other issues with Tim Burton is his Johnny Depp thing, because I'm just not a Johnny Depp fan either. So, like, I didn't like Johnny Depp as, as Willy Wonka. I love Johnny Depp uh, as a character actor. Put him in a normal role, he's not good. But if you put him in something that's weird, something that's. Uh, is a unique character, Jack Sparrow, um, Edward Scissorhands. Um, you you know, even Secret it. Window, he was okay. Um, I just watched Donnie Brasco, and he's just kind of – I mean, Pacino chews up the entire movie, but he's just kind of there. Like, he's fine, but, like, if you could have plugged in, like, any wooden actor in that role, and I don't think it would have changed yeah. much. Seek, uh, Murder on the Orient <laughs> Express, like. he is kind of the same way, where it's, like, fine. Yeah. Um, Grindelwald didn't – didn't care it was him. That's a character role, though. So there, that's that's. Yeah, but that's Grindel- I think Grindelwald's a little different to me personally, um, just because it's Harry Potter, and I just never pictured Grindelwald to look like that. Oh right, <laughs> he's in the. Uh, yeah, he's in the new one. Right. But so like, I just don't like. That's my issue. I think my issue with Johnny Depp is a personal one. To be hundred percent honest with you. That's fine. I, I, a lot I of people I know don't like him. A guy from Kentucky who acts like he's British just bothers me. I'm not a fan. Like Madonna. Exactly. <laughs> don't thing. Um, um, no, but Elf, Elfman, I mean, he also did Men in Black, which for whatever reason sticks out to me. Like the, the like wonk. Like, I don't know how to describe what he did. It's a lot of horns. Like his brother was in yes. Oingo Boingo, which yep. is like a super weird band from the 80s. And my favorite, I think, horror movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And Oingo Boingo does like not the score necessarily, but like a big part of it. Like the the but it's all horns and like a lot of weird shit that he throws into I feel like it just adds character to the movies in a way. Absolutely. I don't um, I like Elfman movies more than I like Tim Burton movies. Hmm. Nightmare on Elm Nightmare uh, before Christmas is very good too. Different category, but um, um no, I, I had that on my list as well. I didn't know. Yeah, that, that was where I went. Worth. Tim Burton, Elfman. I went. I figured Nightmare Before Christmas, but I went. Nightmare Before Christmas is another one. Either you like it or you don't like it. I think the characters are super cool. Before we kind of got into this Elfman, what I was talking about Spider-Man is, I figured we should probably just get it out of the way now. The superhero movies. See, Avengers. We already talked about Dark Knight. The Avengers, like main score theme song, is really the only one that does anything. Avengers gives me goosebumps every single fucking time. Um, it puts me in two places now. It, for so fucking long, it put me in the circle circle shot in Manhattan. But now it also it always puts me there. But then it also makes me think of the arrival of Thor in Wakanda because that's when it was used to fucking perfection. I actually think it was used. It's not the the same like full song, but like there, it's like a variation of it when Cap is in the subway station in yep. New York. Absolutely, and I was going to mention that uh, along with the Avengers score, Captain America score is really good to me. It it, it, it just feels Cap. Uh, Shane, do you have anything to add? Uh, I really feel like we've we've talked about Avengers <laughs> and Marvel <laughs> to fair death. Point. That's a fair point. Um, I'm, Aside from just the main Avengers theme, none of the other really songs really stick out to me too much. Um, it's Sylvester. I googled it. Yeah, and he also Alan Sylvester. He, 
he helped with Back to the Future, if we can link it back. Oh, to all right. Hans Zimmer did the uh, is the actual person who's doing the score for Wonder Woman 1984 that RP couldn't wait to hear. Actually, huh. I looked that up earlier. Yeah, he's been involved in DC. I think he did Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman as well. It was like a big. It was like a big deal when he did Batman vs Superman. I'm glad the wait is over for that for you. Yes. Well, I, I found on my list that he did uh, the original Lion King too. Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, now I, I had him for the original or for the. the I had him for the. I thought it was you. Hold on. I think I saw him for the original when I was yeah, on the 94 one. Did he? Then I think he did the remake too then. On Zimmer, man, just like fucking give somebody else a job, you know? Yeah, he, he also did Inception, which is I knew that. Inception is one of those ones where like I can't place a song from Inception, but I also understand how important the music in Inception is. Well, in Inception, think of the think of the um the song from when um Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in the hallway. and On the wall, exactly. But right. I can't tell you what that song is. But I know that the song that's playing in that scene, like, is a, like, builds the scene. Yeah. And that's where I, that's, because as soon as I thought Inception, I was like, oh, he's, he's the one that did that song. And that's the scene I thought of. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Just a bunch of, it's just some basses going on. Some things are happening. Yeah. Is that there's a subtle oboe. Um, but other than that. He did uh, Interstellar. Coming up on too. the. It's basically yeah. Interstellar. Which I mentioned when we when we first brought up that he did Interstellar. Um, Interstellar is a very good movie. It's not to me. It's not amazing. It's not no. It's a typical Nolan film, but it's very good. I guess. How, like, are there any major people that we've missed at this point? Uh, I, don't I don't know who did Mission Impossible. I still have one more movie I wanted to talk about. That I was gonna say I would go off of like what is like a big movie we've missed or, or a song that like you or a score that you're a fan of that we haven't really gotten to. Elfman did the Mission Impossible movie. He like updated really? the according yeah, that's, to the, that's technically a TV theme song, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the guys from U2 also helped to update it. Hmm. Apparently. Shane, what's the movie that you wanted to talk about? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I figured he, well, that was kind of surprising but, to get brought up. But the the scene when Andy is first uh, arriving, like the bus is bringing him in, I'm gonna play oh, it right now. Tall glass of water. What's that? I mean, isn't that when they say he's a tall glass of water? Yeah, yeah. I told him no problem. This is probably one of my favorite movie scores. Just it's basically a lot of this throughout the movie, but like he changes it every time. I don't know who the actual person was that did it. According to Wikipedia, Thomas Newman. Yeah, Thomas Newman. Ah, old Tommy Newman. Yeah. He did some good ones. He's got a list. Yeah, I love you got a friend in me. <laughs> Such a nerdy joke that there's gonna be people that don't get it. <laughs> He's done, it looks like, the newer Mission Impossibles. Which are all very good. Oh, he's... Three he's and American, on. Are American excellent. Beauty, too, which was also on. Oh, that's a good one. So I have one... Any more Kevin Spacey movies? These fucking freaks? <laughs> yeah, we got to say them now. Right <laughs> quick. K-Pax had a good yeah. one. <laughs> the sound of him licking a young boy's neck. I, I don't, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I don't remember it, but I would say that... Uh, the Usual Suspects probably has a solid score. The end with um, when Kazi yeah. walking out. Absolutely. Uh-huh. There's, All right. There's, so, is there a movie that you haven't seen that you probably think 
has or you have seen it but you haven't seen it in a while but you probably usual, think it has an awesome suspects. score the usual suspects definitely has a solid which score. you you have you said that uh let's go round table i wrote stand by me on my list um kind of guessing because okay. i think i remember them having a good score it's like an orchestral version of stand by yeah, me that like plays her. throughout it but it's so yeah right. i mean that's so that would be pretty movie. good yeah i would say that'd be pretty good that's but what about you bud I haven't seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I, I mean the 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 Ericone, uh Marconi or whatever, however you say his name, his uh, scores are. He did the thing. I mean, he's he's iconic as well. Um, and then we we also we left off. Are, are we going through what we left off at this point? No, uh, I just just ones that we do... haven't seen. Yeah, that might have a good one. I just ate some glass. The one that Ooh, what's going on? Um... You keep picking shit out in that bottle. Yeah, well, so when I when I opened the bottle, it sounded weird, and if I don't know if you can see it, oh, the top of the bottle broke off. So I was like, uh, "What do I do?" So what beer is that? What Sammy Adams beer is that? The Jack Jacko Pumpkin. Oh, oh, you're oh, that's out. Damn. Yeah, I'll I'll save you one. I still have like six left. All right, thank um, you. But it cracked, and I was like, "I'm not going to go get a cup." So I was just oh. been, I've just been navigating it for the last like twenty minutes. And I, um, I, it's that's finished enough. It's finishing up at this point, but yeah, every time I drink it, I feel like I, I have glass. That time was like a solid piece, <laughs> so I just wanted to get that. I'm done. I'm good. I'm glad now. you don't swallow. So, um, yeah, one of the I, movies. I like the beer for the taste, and I spit it out right after. <laughs> the uh, a you movie to make the I, bottle feel good. Yeah, <laughs> a movie that I haven't seen that I think would have a probably pretty good score is Pride and Prejudice. Never seen it. Sure, it has a good score. I disagree. <laughs> that one. <laughs> that movie sucked. It wasn't. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I on that bad boy. I googled it. Ninety-seven percent of people like the album. So. Oh, all right. Never mind. Well, <laughs> so eat your words. Fucking Mr. cheap. Uh, all right. So I got one that I need to talk about, and then I have a couple that we just haven't talked about that are like iconic ones that just haven't made because the I don't know who the composers are. And uh, why, after you do this, um, why don't we just say everybody's – so you have time to think about it. Your favorite score or what you think is the most iconic score uh, once, once Bob's done, and, and we'll, that'll be a good way to, to round up. Well, and then, I mean, people have other ones. and we could So anything that's, like, just obscure, but, like, Flash Gordon. Uh, not, a, not, a great, not a great score, but it's all composed by Queen, so I had to bring it up. Like, that's, the, yeah, I, absolutely iconic. The entire album, the entire score is Queen. And the album is sweet, like the actual music, but like I've seen Flash Gordon and it's not like the music in the background's making you go like, oh my God, this scene's so intense. Just like, huh, Queen definitely is playing in the background. Uh, and then the two like big ones that we haven't talked about is The Godfather, which is like a kind of just, we got to get it out of the way. Which I did, The Godfather, the other day, a, fr a friend of Espo and ours phone started ringing. It was The Godfather song. <laughs> What? Why? Which is a weird, a weird thing, a weird phone like ringtone to have. That's a weird ringtone to have. Absolutely. As we said on the air, I've talked, I've told stories there. I was at a wedding, it started playing at a wedding. Maybe very uncomfortable. I thought somebody was going to get waxed. Like it's just a weird thing to make your, your like to make your ringtone. And then the Halloween. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, oh, I was going to yeah. say that too. Yeah, like that, and I'd argue, because we talked about it, like you said, like the most iconic. I'd argue the most iconic in general as much as like the ones we've talked about are great always go back to like horror movies Absolutely. because th those songs are characters 
Yeah, Halloween is another one. Yeah, absolutely. Even like the sting, like Carpenter is a genius across the board, but like the stings when when Michael Myers is seen from a distance near, like the do do do. It's it like the movie is not the same if you don't have that in there. So like to to originate the slasher film basically, and then to have that score. If you don't have that, it's, it's another shitty. I mean, it's another Black Christmas that doesn't really get the attention that it, it got. Any more uh, ones that we haven't mentioned that you guys just want to throw in in the ring? The the big one for me, uh, in in terms of just the eighties in general, is there's a band called Tangerine Dream, and they kind of were like this sound. Like whenever you think, if you think of like an eighties score, it's always like synth, like a moody synth in the background and like like keys or whatever. Um, so they did Risky Business. They did um, uh, Thief by Michael Mann. They they are kind of like the, the I guess, influence for like any sort of stereotypical 80s. They actually did Grand Theft Auto V, which is cool. The, the dude cool. who um, was like the, the leader of the band, whatever his name was, he passed away, I think, last year, two years ago. But before that, they, they brought them back in together to do Grand Theft Auto V. But they, like... I feel like they were like the originators of that sort of like synthy sound. And then like in, in newer movies like drive and good time and like the Safety brother films, I feel like they're trying to kind of jock a little bit of that style with, so, with the synths and with the weird, like uncut gems. I listened to it. Yeah. Uncut gems. I can absolutely see it. I listened to this song earlier. Cause I was like, yeah, you have the risky business scene, like score on my list. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I, so then on my lunch earlier, I listened to it and I immediately recognized it from basically any 80s movie ever. Like, it just sounds like that thing that you would hear in the background. Like, think of the... the Let me see. I have it up. Let me see. Here. Was that... No, that was it. That was the score. That wasn't that. (laughs) That... Just think of like the score for like Stranger Things. That mm-hmm. that like synthy like background. That's Tangerine Dream. Like all their stuff is like kind of all those. Yeah, very very eighties. It's oh, called dude. Love on a Real Train. I hope so. to have that one day. <laughs> it's when he fucks the girl on a train. I I uh, hope to have any, I hope to have any any real love on a train. I love you, but we're not on a train or or yeah, exactly. And that seems to be the missing piece all the time. Lack of a train. <laughs> Um, one movie that I will say we're missing uh, that probably nobody has seen, but has a good score, just the, even just the opening, is The Last of the Mohicans uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis. That's a man movie. That's Michael Mann. He, uh, he goes all in on the scores. Yeah. Um, What's the opening. What's that? What's that? Like a song I would know? Probably not. It's very intense. Like the, I only watched the opening scene of it because what I – dogs at my boss he absolutely fucking loves that movie and when he was showing me everything he's like he wanted to show the home theater that he has and he showed me that and the fucking i thought the the wall was gonna like break like speaker was gonna come through the wall because it was so much like bass and so much just like anticipation and build up and the, the opening scene ends with a with a gunshot and it's just like it's like a minute and a half to two minutes of, of credits and, and everything like that. And um, that's kind of what a film we're supposed to do, build anticipation. Um, and it does that really well, especially to start off a film. I have one that we missed. Um, Apollo 13 has a really good score to it. Um, I'm not, it's kind of slow, so I'm not, I, wasn't, I was just listening to it. I'm not going to play any of it. Um, you listen to it later. If you want to put some in, you can. But the, throughout that whole movie, the, 
it's kind of just like in the background as they're talking, but it's a pretty good sport. I do remember that. And it's actually fitting because you say it's slow. Like they're stuck mm-hmm. in space. So like, you're, obviously you're not going to have something like a yeah. fast pace, like upbeat thing. It, it, it works the way it is. Mm-hmm. And that's another one. Like I didn't even think about until you said it, but it, it's, that's one of those scores. that's like always there. Like, I feel like there's always music playing. It's like just low in the background. Right. The I just looked it up and it said, um, there's like 70 minutes of the score. Yeah, like it's, just all, it's constantly in the back. Yeah. It's just part of the film at that point. Like it's, it's not like there to draw your attention. It's just there to create the atmosphere. All right, um, before we go, I guess, okay, what do you guys think is the most iconic score? And maybe we can come to consensus, consensus on it. Um, but let's go around. Um, Espo, as the guest of the episode, what do you think is the most iconic score or your favorite or both? Oh, Christ. Uh, uh, God. Um, I think as a horror buff, I think I have to go the original Halloween score as my favorite and, and the most iconic. I know it's not as epic um, as the other ones and it might not be as, as influential, but I, I think like you, you hear that song, you know, it's Halloween. And I don't think that it creates the, I mean, it, it almost created the slasher genre. I would say it's that, that one score. So I'm going to go with that as my, my pick. And when you play that song, you add a creepiness. Like if you see it at any Halloween house or in front of somebody's house on Halloween, it's just like, oh, it's kind of fucking creepy a little bit. Absolutely. So it has an, an, an aura to it. Um, Bobby, you want to go next? I would, along the same lines, um, I'm not as big of a horror fan as Despo, so I would go Jaws, but for the same reasons. Like it's like, you know, one, like if I play Back to the Future, I play – uh harry potter it might if you're not a huge harry potter fan or a huge back to the future fan it might take you a second to be like i think i know this song but i can't place it you hear jaws or you hear the halloween song you're like i know this song from somewhere right. and it has to do with what you said like it's related to like horror and halloween and trying to make things scarier but jaws for me is like you hear that and it kind of freaks you out that that main jaws music would that it, be your favorite too it's not my favorite. I just think it's the most iconic. What would you say is your favorite? If you could, you know, uh, gotta... Lord of the Rings, I would argue. I, w- I would say, like, off the top of my head, Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, one of the yeah. two. When I used to write, I, in, in college, when I would write papers, I would throw on Pandora's film score uh, station and to just help me focus. And Lord of the Rings came on a lot, and I always liked it. I never skipped it. Um, they're really good. Even when it was like really intense at some parts, I, I still would just listen to it because I liked it. Um, I think the most iconic one is the Star Wars theme. Not the Imperial March, the, uh, the scroll, the opening yeah. Star Wars scroll. Um, because Halloween, you hear that, everybody knows that's Star Wars. Whether they've seen it or not, it just it, it's just what it is. And, and my favorite, probably, like I can pinpoint Harry Potter stuff that I absolutely love. So it's either the a lot of the Harry Potter score or that he's a pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean. I've always just loved, absolutely loved uh, both of them. Uh, but for sure, Star Wars for iconic. What do you think, Shane? I was going to go Star Wars too, but you said it. So fuck it. I'm going to go Indiana Jones. There you go. Because I think that's another one. Like, even if you've never seen Indiana Jones, I feel like you hear that song and you think of like, you're running away from something and you drop the hat just because it's been used so much in different mm-hmm. shows and movies, like parodying Indiana Jones. Right. Like like I feel like you know what it is. Um, I think like Scru- the um, Indiana Jones theme is like kind of the same with uh, Halloween where it, it 
you once it could be used in other things and you know exactly where it's from mm -hmm. but like for example if there's like a like when uh paramount or whatever used to have like the home videos they would throw like the indiana jones theme on mm -hmm. and they would show you clips of all their different movies that are were action movies like, or like i was gonna say it's like an action adventure like indiana jones is like the action adventure yeah song. absolutely absolutely where you can't do that with star wars because people are like that's fucking Star Wars, where like yeah. Indiana Jones is just has this theme, and then same thing with like uh, the Halloween theme, where you could throw that on like a reel of horror, and it just fits right. perfectly. Um, and that's just what's so fucking cool is is just that these themes fit so perfectly to the movies that they're for, but then they can blend else into into the world and and be used really well for to tell um, to help get across other messages. And the idea that like how much classical music do any of the four of us listen to? Like exactly. Exactly, none. But I mean, this is like exposure to that, and it kind of and and there's songs we love. Our piece said you listened to it when you were like write papers and stuff like that. So it bridged just, the gap to class to classical for me. Yeah, it's just a, it's a genre you'd never listen to, but you do because you associate it with films that you love or, or scenes that you love or just a, emotions. Because there's feeling, yeah, absolutely. There's heart. There's feeling. You connect to these things, and I just feel like it is probably the. Uh, most underappreciated thing when it comes to uh, movies where somebody goes, oh my God, that's the best movie I've ever seen or how iconic these scenes are. And, and I know it, this is the weird movie to pick for, but like Pitch Perfect when um, the guy wants to be a, a, a film score composer. And she's like, what, oh, yeah. what the hell? And he, and he has all these different movies with where the, the scores are kind of iconic. And I feel like it's just a really underappreciated and um, why this was, I think was a really good idea that Bob came out with to have an episode based on scores because people unlike us and, and traditional film goers, we know star Wars and everything, but to hear all these other ones um, is always, is always cool. And it's just, it's cool to get together to talk about it. And some of them, we went to detail about the importance that they do with telling a story or, or, or lifting the narrative. Um, and I just think it was a really, really sweet um, thing to do. And I hope that they like it. If not, this is another one in the bucket for us, Bob, as we nah, said, fuck off. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, well, if they don't like it, there's still what two more music episodes coming up. Yeah, and 41 other episodes they can listen to. Uh, right. uh, they have Espo's spinoff. They can yeah. listen to Ovos, 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 Ovos with Boban and Espo, and, uh, <laughs> and also uh, Espo's Christmas special. I suppose Christmas special, which is definitely coming up because last year we talked about doing a Christmas episode and we never did it. Um, so maybe we'll have. A couple, but you'll definitely be penciling. Christmas special is coming at you in February of 2022. Yeah, we're yes. gonna bet we're gonna bank them, it means we're gonna record them in like October and November so that we yeah, have them for December the way we fucking work. But we're um, not, yeah, I was gonna say, we're not gonna use them in December, we're just gonna use them when we have an open week. Yeah, throw out, yes, coming this week, another <laughs> Christmas special. That episode we, were, we did with Nick where we weren't going to use, but then we needed we, an episode, we, so we didn't put that anyway. I held, I held on to it for a full year. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we were, we, we were legit podcasts for about 10 weeks. We put out 10, 10 straight episodes, and they were like, this is fucking hard to do uh, when, we have real, <laughs> when we have real jobs. Now, let's say it wasn't hard to do necessarily putting out 10 straight episodes. It was harder to come up with ideas, but now we have a bunch of ideas banked. The fact that four yeah. of those episodes were indie movies, I was like, I fucking want to break from this. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very true. We also did run out of topics because quarantine happened and, and the world stopped. Um, but now the hardest thing is just getting everybody together yes. to, to record. It's just getting everyone to lock down for a day with busy schedules. Uh, even though the world has stopped, we, we have it. Um, 
So remember, if you like anything to add uh, before we go, guys, Espo, anything to add? Yeah, thanks wanna... for having me. I, I, I enjoyed it. My, I popped my uh, podcast cherry. So I'm, yeah, I'm more than happy to come back. I'm a big loser, so I'm not doing much. Absolutely. Uh, the door is always open, seriously. Uh, if you have a topic or you, you just text Bob, hey, can I come back on? We'll find. That's just the way we work. We'll find the stuff. Drew Barrymore bit. I got a we great got, bit. <laughs> Well, you might, we might be asking to come on your podcast on the previously recorded network. Yeah, yeah, I'd, like with meet, Boban. I'd like to meet Boban. If I can get him on, I mean. If you guys want this, you need to start a GoFundMe and uh, fund Espo's adventure. I, and by that, just pay for our SoundCloud because that's I was going to say, I 100% think you just have to probably tweet at Boban and be like, hey, would you come on my Oboe podcast? He Please seems come the kind on. of guy to be like, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. Yeah. He's a nice right. guy. He's in John Wick 3. He's a superstar. Mm -hmm. um, anything to plug before we go? Anything you like? Anything you want people to check out? Um, I, yeah, you know, it's old. I'm a few weeks behind. I'm watching the Zac Efron, like, whatever, the documentary, however you, docu-series, whatever you want to call it, on uh, Netflix right now. What's it about? So it's him kind of just, like, going around. Every episode is a different topic. So, like, the, the – the first episode I watched, I realized last night I started with the second episode somehow. I don't know how I pulled that off. Is just about water and like like what we. It's it's kind of like health centric, but like earth centric. So it's about like what we put in our bodies and like the idea that like. Does he take his shirt off a lot? He doesn't. Um, I don't want to watch it then. <laughs> he does on an episode. I saw pictures on Twitter, but I haven't gotten there yet. But like, it's just very interesting to like look at how people it's about like he goes to all these different countries and they're like look at how people live everywhere else and things yeah, that people are doing all over the world and then think about like our lives like the one was about uh centenarians like people who live to be over 100 hmm. and so he went to sardinia which is like an island in like an italian island like in the mediterranean and like their diets are the opposite of what we think is like a good diet and so zach efron's mind was like fucking blown because they're saying like you shouldn't eat protein that much and obviously he was like a meathead and like yeah she got jacked up for Baywatch and all these movies and they're like yeah you should probably eat more carbs and less protein and he was like what the fuck like this is the yeah, opposite it's everything they tell you not to eat you never told me yet so it's just interesting to see like other people around the world and I watched an episode like on a whim and I, I I'm I, I'm really enjoying it so far nice uh Shane you got anything uh, I haven't really been watching anything new. Uh, I've been watching Supernatural, which it's like the acting isn't great sometimes. Why, why but... are you watching that? Well, they never they... pegged you as a Supernatural fan. Oh, I started watching it with Katie, but uh, ah, okay. like the uh, no, I'm actually like really into it now because because of all the um, all the CW like, shows. I've heard good things. I've heard yeah, it yeah. has like a rabid fan base. I'm like, watching it too right now, actually. That's with all like the, the the myths and like the folklore and stuff like that, and all the stuff that they're haunting every episode. Like I'm into that stuff, and it's typical CW acting, which isn't always great. But yeah, but I like those two guys. It, Is it like? 20 seasons it's it's still going it's in like i the, think it's still it's, on yeah. they're in their last season now yeah um i w i've wanted to watch it what's it on is it streaming it's on netflix oh shit okay um yeah the uh, the one guy's joining the voice for season three okay. all right who who'd you say was watching it too bob ken oh yeah that's great in ken's wheelhouse I yeah think. but still like for him to commit to like a 15 uh, season like show I didn't think that was yeah. that's why I just watched it like a little bit at a time it's funny that you like brought it up because he was just talking to me about the other yeah. day I'm not like uh, throwing myself into it like I normally do so you're not done in two days no I haven't finished it yet 
He's only on season 14. Only- <laughs> <laughs> started on Thursday. He's on season 14. Well, they're coming back for to film the finale or whatever. But um, the only thing I really have to plug is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean for our inevitable Pirates of the Caribbean episode. And um, I'm gonna shit talk that movie. Does that mean we have <laughs> all five Pirates of the Caribbean movies? Like I'm gonna, I'll probably give you six months, and I'll say I will. I like, I will all like five. How about this? We all pick a number from one to five. We all watch one of them, but we don't know if anybody else watched the same one. And then we come on and just hope we're going to talk about the same movie. That's fun. We'll bring uh, we'll bring somebody back on. We might have to bring two people on. And we'll be like, well, I'll be like mad because I'm confused that your antagonist is not the same antagonist in my movie, and your shit's <laughs> not making any sense. Well, if you bring two and three, they both. Can we do that with a series that none of us have ever seen. That that could be a lot of fun. We could do it with James Bond. I've seen all the James. Oh, watch all. You've seen all the James Bond movies, all twenty-three James Bond movies. Seen all the James Bond. It's I've only seen one, and guess which one I saw? Skyfall. Uh, uh, Goldfinger. No. Uh, the one with uh, what Grace Jones. Which one is that? Considered one of the Grace worst. Jones. A View to Kill? The big uh, black lady. Is that with the horse racing? No. Year? No, it's fucking the old I know, you, Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's Roger Moore's list. Roger one, Moore, yeah. It's um, the only one I've seen. and I, 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 well, If you want to watch know. a bad one, watch Spectre. Spectre's I've seen not very good. I didn't mind Spectre. I've seen all the James Bonds and I've read all the James Bonds. That's oh, shit. Well, look at the dick on you. Yeah. Um, that's not a good one, but we can find a bad series, like not a bad series, but just a series and be like, all right, you have to watch one of them. Twilight. Like, one you want. Because none of us like it. I love Twilight. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind watching one of the Twilight movies and just talking about how ridiculous oh, it is. Yeah. Like specifically Kristen Stewart's acting. I weirdly, I weirdly like her, and she's not a good actress. She's terrible. I like her as an actress? I don't mind no, looking at her, but yeah, I'm not a I, fan. Both. Yeah. It's both. I like her in Adventureland. I like her in Snow White. Well, she acts the same. Like a, in Adventureland, she's like a teen, like a ditzy, not ditzy, but like a, a boring, like a teenage girl, and that's what she is. But the thing is, like in Twilight, she's supposed to be like this romantic. Her acting's the same, and I don't know she's how she's like, famous. You should do Twilight because... There is a Northeast Philadelphian in, I believe, part of the series. He went to St. Jerome's. And, Rob, get this. His last name is Tangrady. We may have a connection to this guy. Wow. You may be able to get him on your podcast to talk about Twilight. I don't know if he cares if you shit on it or not. But this (laughs) dude, he showed up. My wife was watching the Mindy Project. I was like, I recognize that guy. And I IMDb'd him, and his name's Bill Tangrady, and he went to St. Jerome's, because I remember them posting about it, and he's from Northeast Philadelphia, and he's like I'll, a character. Uh, pull some strings, guys. I might have to pull some strings and get, get the tweeter going. But the only thing else I would really plug is, let's say Doom Patrol. I'm four episodes, episodes in the season one. It's good. That's all I kind of got today, Espo. I want to thank you uh, for being on. It was, it was a tremendous pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And I uh, hope to see you soon. And, yeah, that's all I got to say is look for our next episode based on High School Musical, the musical, the series. Uh, IMRP, as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe. And, uh, yeah. I want this forever. Just you in the grotto. Nothing but your nights on, keep the fucking lights on Same again tomorrow, we don't need no bottle Purple color lip gloss, room at the saguaro Ain't nowhere I would rather be, right between your holidays Coffee on the Flintstones, jewelry on the ottoman Baby, let me in, uh, for I get way too adamant about it 
Love the way you shiver, dig into my shoulder blades, feel it when you quiver. Higher level, elevate, you could be the renegade, body to a glide. Harrelson and Juliet, legends never die. The TV hasn't worked and they just probably got a short of cable. Way too busy fucking on the sofa or the kitchen table. Is my vision hazy? You look like you're someone famous. Cause you're the next Drew Berry. I want more yeah. And all these other girls keep wondering what I fuck with you for Cause you're the next Drew Berry Yeah And I want more And all these other girls keep wondering what I fuck with you for Yeah Cause you're something like the summer Kinda like a hurricane sweeping through the desert Hot Americana rain Falling wearing nothing but my Lauren Hill shirt It's kind of baggy on you baby but it worked The AC hasn't worked in ages I could probably read the label Way too busy fucking on the counter or the coffee table Am I hallucinating? Why do you look hella famous? Cause you're the next Drew Berry And I want more And all these other girls keep wondering what I fuck with you for Cause you're the next Drew Berry Yeah And I want more And all these other girls keep wondering what I fuck with you for I wanna make Every single moment for you great Fly away to Cairo or LA Girl I want it now, don't wanna waste time Girls keep wondering what the fuck would you for? Yeah. 